two people stand facing each other in a Dutch church. They are no one famous, simple people, forgotten people really, orphans, refugees, poor. They are not people anyone would ever think would make an impact on the world. They are taking vows to each other, promising to love each other through hard times and good times, till death do them part. There are only a few people to witness this wedding. There are no family and only a few friends. The young lady only agreed to get married last week, and in a few days, they are leaving on an adventure of a lifetime. Anyone seeing this scene would assume nothing significant is happening. But on this day, Joris and Catalina are married, and they are about to leave for the new world. Today, more than one million Americans are descendants from this couple, and their story is an amazing one. Welcome back to Church History. I am Laura Lee Siemens, and I am excited to tell you today's story. I learned about this story all the way back when I was telling the story of the Crusades. So I have had to wait a long time to share it with you. I hope you find it as interesting as I did. It's a bit of a longer story, so it's going to take a few episodes for us to tell. Before we dive in, let me remind you, if you're looking for voiceover work, let me know you are a fan of this podcast and I will give you a deal. To learn more about the production work I can help you with, check out the link below or visit lauraleesiemens.com. Also, if you're looking for a speaker, I'm excited to be back in the churches speaking now that they are opening back up. You can find information about this also on my website. So let's dive into the story of Joris and Catalina. The Dutch were in the middle of the golden age. The country had become extremely wealthy. The art was amazing. Rembrandt is an example of the Dutch from this time period. From his art, we can see a switch was happening in the culture and the church. Although Rembrandt did religious art, he began to paint nature scenes, portraits, and animals. The move from art away from art made for the cathedrals to art being made for the regular person was a huge shift. The Dutch law was also a huge shift. Law schools grew and the law became very important to the Dutch. People had rights. The deals were written down and documented. Land deals especially had to be documented in order to be considered legal. Science exploded in the Dutch culture. Telescopes and microscopes were being used to see the world beyond the natural eye. The Dutch also gained land in Asia and became important trade dealers. One of the biggest things they did was bring in an age of tolerance. People were allowed to worship God the way they wanted, and this extended beyond Catholics and Lutherans. This included Anabaptists and Calvinists as well. Because of that, people fled other countries to come to the Dutch areas. One of those groups were the Huguenots. They were a group in France. They were followers of Calvin and were persecuted in France. At one point, there were 2 million Huguenots and over 2,000 churches. But on March 1st, 1562, a group that was meeting in a barn with 300 Huguenots in France 
was attacked by troops under the command of Francis, Duke of Guise. This started a war between the Huguenots and, well, everyone else. Protestants killed over 2,000 Huguenots in New Orleans, and then the Huguenots killed Francis, the Duke of Guise. Then in August 23, 1572, the Catholics turned on the Huguenots and began to hunt them down. In a matter of just three days, 70,000 Huguenots were killed, and the Huguenots then fled. The Dutch was one of the people who accepted them. The Huguenots were farmers, and the French soon found out not having farmers in their country proved to be a huge problem. We're actually going to do an entire episode on the Huguenots in a few weeks. But right now we're talking about the Dutch. And this group moved to the Netherlands, and that was great for the Dutch. They were hard workers, they brought textile businesses with them, and they knew how to work the fields. So I say all this because some people will say the Dutch Golden Age was because they abandoned religion and abandoned God. This is not true. They did abandon the idea of the church and the state being married together. And that was the reason they grew in wealth and power. But they did not abandon God. In fact, what they believed is that people should have the freedom to worship God in a personal way. Your relationship with God is a personal relationship. Being forced to worship God is not worship. It is your heart that God sees. Under this freedom, people didn't abandon God. When we look at the men who were writing the laws, the school's teaching law, the scientists, and even the artists, we can see that they believed in God and that they were inspired by God. So a more honest way to see this is freedom of religion brought about the golden age for the Dutch. What did happen under this freedom is that the Catholic countries were willing to trade with the Dutch because the Catholics were treated fairly. The Protestants were also willing to trade with the Dutch because the Protestants were traded fairly. And the Huguenots and Anabaptists were creating a lot of the things that were being traded. Instead of two groups of people, extremely poor and extremely rich, a middle class grew and people were happy and enjoying life. But that actually brought out a problem. You see, at this time, the New World was being navigated and claimed by English, France, and Spain. The Dutch knew this would be a problem for them, especially the Spanish. The Dutch knew that if the English, French, or Spanish controlled the New World, they would become very powerful, and the Dutch idea of tolerance might not survive. The Dutch had paid an Englishman named Henry Hudson to look for a passage for their trade ships. Henry Hudson had thought he had found the ocean, but what he had found was the Hudson Bay. His crew actually abandoned him on his son on a raft in the Hudson Bay, and they died alone there. But the crew believed what he had found was useless. However, the land he discovered at this time would prove to be the most important part of the New World. Now, the English were claiming this land since Henry Hudson was English, but the Dutch were claiming the land because they had paid for his trip. The English were having an easy time getting people to flee England and move to the New World to set up colonies and claim land. The Puritans and the Pilgrims were looking for a place to worship God the way they wanted, so the English had a lot of people willing to risk it. In a future episode, we're going to talk more about the Puritans and the Pilgrims. However, the Dutch... They could not find people willing to leave. Why would anyone leave the one country in the world that was thriving, free, and really the best place on earth to live? 
the Dutch trading company went to the churches, asking for people willing to go. They would give them free land, free animals. They would be able to live in freedom and start life from scratch. The men from the Dutch company were laughed at. No one was going to a strange land with no cities, no law, no art, no science, no music, no schools. Nope, not happening. Life for the Dutch was just too good. But there was one young man, a 19-year-old man named Joris, and he found it interesting. You see, he was poor. He had no family. And while life for the Dutch was great, for people like him, they were left behind. At church that day was a young lady named Catalina. She was 18 years old. Catalina was an orphan who had grown up as a refugee and she was a peasant. There was no way she could see herself ever doing well, even here in the Netherlands. Joris asked Catalina if she would marry him and then move with him to this new world. For both Joris and Catalina, this looked like a way for them to break free from life as a peasant and a way for them to create a world for themselves. So Catalina agreed, and a week later they were married in the church with no family and just a few friends. And then, just 10 days later, they were on a boat headed into the unknown. Catalina was excited, although once she could no longer see any land, she wondered if she had made a huge mistake. Like your excitement to ride a roller coaster changes to dread and questioning your choice as you climb that first hill, but it's just too late to go back. That was the thrill Catalina felt as the land disappeared and she was surrounded by water. For three months, the couples saw nothing but water as they spent time getting to know their fellow adventurers. As they grew closer to the land that would be their new home, they were met with their first problem. France. A boat with a French flag approached them, guns drawn. They told the ship to turn around and return to the Netherlands. This land had been claimed by the French, but the captain of their ship refused to back down. Instead, his guns were drawn. The Dutch had claimed to this land because they had paid for the trip of Henry Hudson. So for a while, the two ships refused to back down. And for Joris and Catalina, it looked as if they'd made a huge mistake and they were all going to die in the middle of nowhere. However, the French did back down, and the ship was allowed to continue. They landed, and as Joris and Catalina walked off the boat, they stepped onto land that would be their new home. The first job everyone had was to clear the land and then build the fort. Once the fort was built, they were allowed to build their homes and the church. Then they began to plant their fields. In a short time, a small town had been built and Joris and Catalina were excited and happy. They were no longer peasants. They were now homeowners with their own farm. And Joris was quickly becoming one of the most respected men in the fort. They named their new land the New Netherlands. They had been told by the Dutch that they were to treat the natives of the land with respect, and they were to never, under any circumstances, get involved in any wars between native tribes. They were to get along with all of the tribes and be peaceful with all tribes. This was made very clear with everyone involved. Joris and the other men did make peaceful relationships with the tribes. They traded for otter and beaver pelts and then sold the pelts, sending them back to the Netherlands. The first year, they were able to sell 500 otter pelts and 5,000 beaver pelts. That first year, the crop grew taller than Joris. 
Things were going so well. Then one day, ships arrived with animals, and Joris and Catalina were given cows, chickens, and horses for their farm. Life got even better when Catalina gave birth to their first child, Sarah. Sarah was the first baby born in the Dutch community, and Sarah was officially a native born in the land. Catalina worked with the native people to learn their language. She helped create a dictionary with their words. This helped more people who were trading with the native people. They learned the ways of the native people, and they learned to respect them. The first two years were good. Crops were good. Relationships with the native were good. No French, Spanish, or English were attacking them, and the couple loved their life. Then one night, everything changed. The tribe the group worked the most with were the Mohicans. They had become more than just trading partners. They were friends. And one night, the Mohicans asked the Dutch for help. Another tribe, the Mohawks, were constantly attacking the Mohicans and killing them, and it became clear the Mohicans would soon be eliminated. The group had been told under no circumstances were they to get involved in any wars between tribes. This is easy to say when you live across the ocean, but when they are your friends and your neighbors, you can't just sit by and do nothing while they are killed. So the Dutch agreed to fight alongside the Mohicans, but the Mohawks were powerful warriors and they defeated the Dutch and the Mohicans. Suddenly the Mohawks saw the Dutch as enemies as well. Joris survived the battle and Catalina and Joris now stood in a new area of town, the cemetery. Rows and rows of men now buried in the new cemetery, including their leader. It was the year 1626, and the small, peaceful life was shattered. Now they lived in fear, waiting for the Mohawks to attack. They were trapped in their fort. They had no leader, and the families were grieving the loss of fathers and sons. Catalina and Joris had come here for a better life, and they had found it. The last two years had been amazing. It was hard to believe that it was just two years ago that they were two peasants standing in a Dutch church and vowing to be together for better or worse in life or death. And now they were trapped. Everything they had dreamed of was about to come crashing down, all because of one choice. They had done what the Dutch had forbidden. They had gotten involved in a tribal war. The Dutch had planned on creating a place of tolerance and acceptance of all people, a place of freedom, a place especially of religious freedom. And for two years, it had gone well. But now, you'll want to find out what happens to Catalina and Joris and the Dutch community. To do that, you're going to have to tune in next week for part two of their story. To do that, make sure you subscribe. And when you do that, how about leaving a review and share this episode with a friend. Next Monday, you're gonna find out what happens to this young couple. In the meantime, for more blogs, for more videos, and for more podcasts, check out lauraleesiemens.com.